Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Welcome to More Than Amused Podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts, hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to More Than Amuse. I'm Stani. And I am Sadie. And happy Valentine's Day. Almost. Valentine's Day is tomorrow. Happy Valentine's Day from us to you. Hope it's lovely. Have you enjoyed Valentine's Day in the past, Sadie? I mean, I'm honestly pretty indifferent to the holiday. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I wish I had a hot take. I don't know. It's a wholesome (laughs) holiday, to be honest. I've been married for the last five years, so it's fine. I got a necklace today that says Petty on it. So cute. Yep. That I definitely was like, oh, I don't know if I can justify buying this right now. And then Jordan was like, what if I get it for you for Valentine's Day? And then I was like, yep, here's the link. So... (laughs) Perfect. I'm so excited for Valentine's Day this year. Yeah, that's perfect. I I saw that collection. If anyone's wondering, it's from the Bad Broadcast. She's a Utah podcaster. She mm-hmm. dropped a collection with a Utah jewelry company called Made by Mary. There are so many corporations in Utah. Yeah, like so many Utah companies. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they like dropped a little collaboration together. And when you posted the, about the necklace, mm-hmm. I was like, that is perfect for you because of Petty pop petty pop it's the daisy brand yeah makes perfect sense which i guess quick thing here if you're new here hi i'm sadie but i release music under daisy so check me out shout out to daisy spelled d-a-s-i-e yes as in wondering sadie is switched the s and the d wow yep i'm a genius i think it's clever thank you (laughs) thank you thank you anyways well we're talking about rom-coms today or chick flicks i don't know yes i'm kind of surprised we haven't talked about it yet but i know i'm excited i feel like we've hinted at it for any of you that are new here we had an episode our first year where we talked Mm -hmm. about tropes within films of like females and so we brought up a lot of like rom-coms and chick flicks then mm-hmm. we've talked about romance novels yeah so dived a little bit into the romance scene there but we have not talked about the classic rom-com or chick flick which is funny because we're 90s babies we were raised on them yeah, we really were <laughs> what is your favorite rom-com or like some of your favorite yeah okay so that's really hard i have to say that the two like most nostalgic ones for me are always gonna be you've got mail and sleepless in seattle Ah, they both star Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. They're in both of them. Mm -hmm. They're just like classic. They're Nora Ephron films. They have the same director. Love them, love them. But a recent favorite is definitely Maybe. Oh, I haven't seen that one. It's so cute. So it's Ryan Reynolds and then his daughter starts asking him about his life before his marriage and then how he met and fell in love with her mom. It's kind of like a How I Met Your Mother, but they're divorced at the time. So she's just kind of like, what happened? And so he flashes back to when he first moved to New York City and like 
three different romances he had with three different women. Mm. And he basically tells her, like, okay, I'll tell you the story, but I'm not going to tell you which one is your mom. So then she's, like, guessing the whole time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, like, the story of, like, these this couple of years in New York City. And it's so cute. It's an adorable. Okay, I should watch that one. I think it's on Amazon Prime right now. I've, like, seen the clips of it on TikTok and, like, seen... I don't know. I feel like I've seen the... It was, like, used for a meme at one point. I don't know. But, like, I've seen it. I just haven't actually watched it yet. It's a really cute... It's got some super funny moments in it, too. But, yeah, those are probably, like, the top ones that I've watched multiple times. What about you? I love Legally Blonde. Such a good one. Yes. And How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I think that one those is two. a classic. Yeah. Yes. I love them. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. There are so many things you can reference from that movie. And I yeah. feel like people do like our love fern. Oh. <laughs> or I most recently. It. So the podcast I listened to practically every day, The Morning Toast or The Toast now. She was at a basketball game and her husband's name is Ben. And she had like a clip of her being like, I need more ice and like making him go and get a Diet Coke for her while like they the shot going on. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. It was so funny. I yeah. love that movie. I'm trying to think of like other ones. Honestly, those two, but. A ton. Like Letters to Juliet. Have you ever seen that? <gasps> yes, I loved that one. So cute. Mm-hmm. That one's adorable. Mamma Mia, of course. Yes. Just Like Heaven. Have you seen oh, that Oh, I don't know if I have. That one's good, too. I think that one has Reese Witherspoon in it and Mark Ruffalo. And she's in a coma the whole time. Oh, and so he sees her as a ghost. Uh Yeah, he sees her as a ghost and they fall in love while she's like a ghost. I love While You Were Sleeping, too. That one's so good. What about like some of the old like 90s teen rom-coms like Cinderella Story or did you ever see Sleepover? I don't think I saw Sleepover, but... (laughs) Like Cinderella story and then another Cinderella story with Selena Gomez. Mm -hmm. I dare say that is my favorite adaptation of Cinderella is the the Selena Selena Gomez. Gomez? Yeah. Yes. I watched that actually pretty recently. And wow, this movie, you know what? It holds up. I love it. I love this movie. (laughs) I was like a diehard Hilary Duff fan. Like I loved her. Have you ever seen My Big Fat Greek Wedding? You know, I actually haven't. But like, I know I need to. Like that is a flaw of mine that I have not seen that movie. That one is so good. Or Never Been Kissed. Oh yeah, I love Never Been Kissed. Or 27 Dresses. That one's good. That's a good one too. Wedding planner. Jennifer Mm -hmm. Lopez is like a queen of rom coms. Yes. And has been coming back, I think. I know. She's like back in her rom com era. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about it later. I know. I'm excited to talk about that. So fun. Also, what are your thoughts on the notebook? Yeah. So I feel like that's one of those movies that all of us like loved when we were teenagers. And now we look back on it and we're like, that's hmm. really toxic. Yeah. Yeah. I loved The Notebook when I was a teenager because it reminded me of my boyfriend. I was like, oh my gosh, we are meant to be. And yeah, then I grew they up. Like so fought all of the time and like all they could of never communicate with each other. And it just like, mm-hmm. it's a taxing movie to watch. It's taxing. Yeah. Like it takes a lot out of you. I remember um, the first time watching that movie as like a teenager just holding a stuffed animal that said boyfriend had given me like sobbing with my mom and um, yeah it wasn't good it wasn't good and I not a good movie a few other like Nicholas Sparks movies that I very much so prefer (laughs) like true a walk to remember that one's still sad but beautiful safe haven 
Oh, I, I remember that one. Yeah. Love that one. Actually has a happy ending. Frequently watch that one. The Longest Ride. I never saw that one either. That one is really fun for me because she owns an art gallery in the end. Oh, okay. That's fun. Highly recommend that one. Cool. Okay. Like, if you have not seen The Longest Ride, like go and watch it. He's a rodeo I know writer, he's a cowboy. Like, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we and love a cowboy. The last song. Oh. <gasps> Oh, I love the last song. Okay, that's my favorite Nicholas Sparks movie. Yes. Miley mm-hmm. Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth. Oh, where it all started. Oh. Yes. Like, forget everything else and just, like, watch that movie. They have such good chemistry. It is they do. such a cute movie. And neither of them die. Neither <laughs> so, of them die. Yeah, someone yes. always dies in a Nicholas Sparks movie, but it's nice when it's not one of the, the main, main love interests. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree with that. Yeah, I love that movie. I actually watched that one again recently, and I was like, yep, this movie is still amazing. I think I did too. And the ending song at the end that she sings <gasps> on the piano. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. All right, well, we could sit here and talk about all of our favorite rom-coms forever. And, and we probably will continue to do so throughout. But. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Anyone listening, if we forgot any main pillars of rom-coms, please let us know which ones are your favorite, which ones you've forgotten. But moving on then into our topic of the episode. Yes. Which really what we're going to cover today is, first off, the way that chick flicks have been perceived or portrayed in media, how... I don't know, us as viewers think of them. But then Mm -hmm. also they stopped making them for a while. And there's a lot of reasons as to why. But then also as of lately, it seems that there's been like a, what what we could say, like a rom-com renaissance happening. Yes. So we're going to go through all of that today. I'm excited. Me too. First off, I'm going to like kind of explain. So we're going to be using like chick flick and rom-com interchangeably because honestly, I think they kind of are. The main difference is is like chick flick is like a film that doesn't necessarily contain romance, but it's still geared towards the women. So like the romance isn't the main plot of the film. Like think Legally Blonde. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like Legally Blonde. Yeah, or like Mean Girls where it's like still (sighs) geared towards women, but like the romance isn't the main plot. Another good one. Yes, so good. Whereas like rom-coms tend to be more of like the romance driven plot with some comedy thrown in. They kind of tend to like intermix though because like some rom-coms are known more as chick flicks and some chick flicks kind of cross over into the rom-com category. Mm -hmm. So therefore we're going to be kind of talking about both. But to start, we'll talk about like chick flicks the historical side of it just for a little bit. So chick flick is a slang term, which I think we all could have guessed. Yeah. Which originally started out by being used as a derogatory film for the film genre that catered specifically to women's interests and was marketed towards women. Because of course there had to be a derogatory genre, like, you know, a derogatory term for women's or like just a way to make it a little bit more condescending. Yeah, where it's like action films are stereotypical very targeted towards men but we don't call it like a dick flick i (laughs) I was about to say that but we definitely could because that's who they're trying to appeal to chick flicks also this is where it ties in with our little valentine's day Mm -hmm. they have historically been released around valentine's day that's the time that they did it you know like people go on a movie and dinner date for valentine's day and they need to go see the latest chick flick or rom-com yeah it's good it feels right valentine's it day does. Yeah, go watch the newest love story yeah the term chick flick wasn't widely used until the 1980s and 90s no surprise hmm. there but before that it actually had another phrase that we used they just called it women's pictures 
it would just portray the woman as a victim and a housewife and then later it moved on to like the film noir of the 1940s and 50s which was like the threat of sexualized women mm-hmm. and then in the 1950s when women were coming back into the home after world war ii they had a different kind of set of women's films that would talk about like issues and situations that women faced in their transition from 40s to the 60s like mm-hmm. just the change in our society from the 1940s to the 1960s is dramatic. It's like it's pretty significant when you think about it, yeah. Yeah, that's a whole lot of change going on there. So it would talk about like romance, courtship, work, marriage, sex, motherhood, divorce, loneliness, adultery, alcoholism, widowhood, heroism, madness, and ambition. It was basically any film that was made for a woman was called a woman's picture. Yeah, which I feel like is something that we see a lot where it's like, if it's for men, it's for everybody, but if it's for women, it needs like a specific name. Do you know what I mean? Which is so odd. The first film that's like considered a chick flick Mm. is the 1961 Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yes. Golden Age of Cinema starring Audrey Hepburn because it talked about dealing with loneliness, obsessive materialism, and then had a happy ending. And so they considered that a chick flick. There is an American feminist film critic, Molly Haskell, who has suggested that chick flicks are very different from the women's films of the 1940s and 50s, however, Mm -hmm. because she feels like they're singing a different tune. They're more defiant, upbeat, postmodern, and post-feminist. And I would agree with that. I think that there is a dramatic change in what was being made then from what we see now. Like, I can't imagine Confessions of a Shopaholic coming out right after the Great Depression. But by the way, another great movie, but excellent point. It would not be right. (laughs) Yes. And then also in the 1980s, when like film really took off for the teenage genre, I feel like that's mm. when they really started marketing towards a younger audience. Yes. Then you have like the John Hughes movies, which shout out the Maisie Peters song, The Saint of John Hughes. That's movie. what I was just thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where you have like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Sixteen Candles, and The Breakfast Club, which Iconic. are often like categorized as like a good chick flick movie, but at the same time they're not quite a chick flick because many of them don't have a female lead. I would feel like 16 Candles out of those three is, is, but Breakfast Club, mm, no. Ferris Bueller's Day Off could maybe be like a little bit of a rom-com, but it's more of just like a teen comedy. Mm -hmm. Some notable female rom-com directors, since we brought up John Hughes, we'll talk about Nancy Myers, Mm -hmm. literally the owner of the Coastal Grandma aesthetic. (laughs) She has movies like The Intern, It's Complicated, The Holiday, which is a beloved movie you can watch around Christmas time. Mm -hmm. Highly recommend. It's where the two people switch houses, England and LA. Something's Gotta Give, What Women Want, and The Parent Trap, starring Lindsay Lohan. So good. And then you have Nora Ephron, who I mentioned before. She has Julie and Julia. Bewitched, Hanging Up, You've Got Mail, Sleepless in Seattle, and When Harry Met Sally. All iconic. Um, Also, chick flicks are known to be patterned after certain things sometimes. You'll often have them patterned after fairy tales, like a Cinderella story, Mm -hmm. like we talked about. Oh my gosh, Ever After. Oh yeah, that's... I lied. Listen, I love the Selena Gomez adaptation. (laughs) Ever After Ever is the After. best Cinderella movie. Hands down. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Starring Drew Barrymore. Ugh. If you have not seen that, you must go see it. Like immediately. Like pause <laughs> yeah. this podcast and you need to go watch yes. Ever After. Oh my gosh. That movie is a work of art. Yes. Absolutely. I am so glad they haven't tried to remake that. Oh. I mean. Because it's perfect. 
it's perfect i mean like if they remake it it's like it's just cinderella but like no 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 ever after is special and it is on a higher pedestal (laughs) yeah it just exists it's in a better world than all of us oh my gosh i agree as well as like pretty woman which i guess is like a cinderella Cinderella story story. yeah Mm -hmm. Or a lot of them have been based off of Shakespeare, which I love this genre of like, let's take a Shakespeare play and make it into a teenage rom-com. Like, why have we not done that again? Like, She's the Man, which is based off of Twelfth Night, and Ten Things I Hate About You, which is based off of The Taming of the Shrew. In addition, a large of them are adapted from popular novels like The Princess Diaries, which I will continue to say the movie is way better than the book. So just watch the movie. Oh, I never even <laughs> read the book. I, I honestly didn't even to. know there was one. It's a huge series. It has like 11 books in it. But oh. I love the movie way more. The Devil Wears Prada, which mm. came from a novel. And others are adapted from literary classics. You have very direct adaptations mm-hmm. like Little Women and Pride and Prejudice. But then you also have some fun adaptations where they took the Shakespearean route and went with Clueless, which is an adaptation of mm-hmm. Jane Austen's Emma. Or Easy A, oh. which is an adaptation of a Scarlet Letter. So just love it, love it, love it. I think that's such a good basis for a rom-com too because mm-hmm. they already have such a good structured story. True. That they can just add in more relevant pop culture stuff. Yes. Just a side tangent about Little Women. I had never seen a version of that movie. But then how I spent my New Year's Eve this year, welcoming 2023, is I watched <laughs> the new Little Women, or the newest one, mm-hmm. you know, with Florence Pugh, Timothy Chalamet, all those guys. Oh my, like, ah, oh, that is an amazing <laughs> movie. Oh, like, good. I... I don't know why I was just like, it's just little women, whatever. No, I have been thinking about that movie ever since. Like I've been dying to watch that movie again. It was like a couple weeks ago. That's amazing. I I just, I get the hype is basically what I'm saying. And I like it when classics live up to the hype. And you want to know what? That was a great version of it. Haven't seen any other ones, but yeah, Little Women. I bought the book recently, Little Women, because I do eventually obviously want to cover Louisa May Alcott. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I actually haven't read the book haven't read the movie and you know what as someone doing this podcast I'm continuously calling myself out of like you know what (laughs) I have to at least like enjoy the famous works of art by women you know like I should at least be familiar with them anyways so I read half of the book but like it wasn't getting my interest as much as I was hoping it would and then that was like a Christmas present from Jordan he just bought Little Women and he was like you should watch this movie more than Amuse you're right (laughs) <laughs> loved it and he loved it too at the end we were just like whoa yeah we loved it anyways i love that tangent singing the praises of no little women. good i'm always happy to hear praises mm-hmm. <laughs> little women and everything else yes also we have sung many praises about all of the jane austen adaptations in our jane austen episode absolutely so definitely go check that out because our love for the 2005 pride and prejudice will never end <laughs> It's endless. Oh, another kind of genre that falls beneath like the chick flick umbrella, mm-hmm. even though it's a little different, is sometimes like a suspense film. Their example was What Lies Beneath, which I've I never seen. seen. But I would add like Nicholas Sparks' Safe Haven. Like, you know, kind of more of a thriller, but then they throw in more of like a rom-com element to it yeah uh-huh so i think that's very fitting i think you could also maybe classify gone girl but i don't know because maybe <laughs> yeah, yeah. <that> one's <laughs> a little iffy but the, at a certain point then we're calling every movie with a woman lead a chick flick and like yeah uh, no no 
definitely not. And then after the blockbuster success of the 2008 drama romance film Twilight, Bravo. which we have a whole other episode on, Bravo. a lot of people believed that they were going to have to change the word chick flick into big office girl power flick. Okay. Big box office girl power flick. Because the box office clout of the female audience is astonishing and it's been an un served audience for way too long because women don't have trouble finding money for things that they're passionate about Mm -hmm. and according to fandango more than 75 percent of twilight's opening weekend audience was female you know that makes me so genuinely happy i don't know why it seems like a thing that they have to rediscover every like 10 years that they're like wow women exist like the you know the main people who buy things like we should but like not even that of like they exist and they like stuff so true like yeah i want to watch twilight speaking of enjoyable i'm gonna list off really quick the 20 best chick flicks of all time according to the internet is this like box office or just like someone's someone made a list okay cool i was just like wondering if it's like objectively like the most (laughs) you know anyways no some yeah this just like over time it's a recent article and they were just like here's what we think the 20 best chick flicks of all time are perfect so the first one is two weeks notice starring sandra bullock and hugh grant next is love actually have you seen Love Actually? No, actually, but huh, no, actually. <laughs> but that's one that again that I'm like, how have I still not seen that movie? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was a pick me in another life. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's cute. We already brought up a walk to remember, but mm-hmm. it's 18. 17 is the proposal. And then Pretty in Pink. And 13 going on 30. Juno. My Fair Lady. Clueless. Oh. Which, by the way, the Super Bowl has already happened at this point. There is a Super Bowl commercial with Alicia Silverstone reprising her role as Cher. Really? Yes. Amazing. So definitely, they've already started airing commercials. I know, I hate it. It doesn't, it's boring. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, so I've already seen it, but it was, it was cute. So anyway, watch out for that. to see it. Then The Devil Wears Prada, The Notebook, which I've already brought up. And these are the top 10. So 10 is The Notebook. Nine is Notting Hill, another Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts film. Mm -hmm. Eight is Heathers, which we talked about in our Winona Ryder episode. Yeah. Then number seven is the 2005 Pride and Prejudice with Keira Knightley and Matthew McFadden. Do you want to know (laughs) the hottest scene in all of television? Do you know the moment when he is lifting her into her carriage and the, the shot of the hand? Oh! I know flexing. Ah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's that is the best moment in t- in in movie in cinema. I'm sorry. That literally, is literally you can go onto Etsy and type the hand flex, and like ah. paintings will come up of ah. Matthew McFadden's hand flexing as he walks away. Just the moment they meet eyes. Oh my. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So good. Sorry. I That's also, it. I feel like Matthew McFadden plays a very good Darcy because he's just socially awkward. Like that was his whole approach to it is he was like, he's just shy and he doesn't know how to act around people. So he acts like a jerk. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay. Another one. Six. Easy A, Emma Stone and Peyton Badgley. Yes. Yeah. Love that movie. Uh-huh. And then 16 Candles is number five. My Best Friend's Wedding is number four. I love the musical number in this movie. The ending always bums me out. So I think I've only seen it like twice. I actually don't know if I've ever seen that one. It's another Julia Roberts film. And then third is When Harry Met Sally. 
with Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal. It's not my favorite Nora Ephron film, as forementioned, mm-hmm. but a lot of people really love that one. Yes. Yeah, and it's mentioned a lot. Two is Mean Girls, obviously. Lindsay Lohan, Rachel McAdams, Tina mm-hmm. Fey, stacked cast. And number one, if it's very well-deserved spot, and I think she would be very happy with <laughs> Absolutely. Is Legally Blonde, starring Reese Witherspoon. I think this is like the most just giddy i've been recording an episode in a long time just like thinking about all these movies they're just good i mean okay like they are some of them aren't but like that's the point that is the point like i think of like sleepover Mm because it's not like a groundbreaking (laughs) somatic movie you know what i mean i'm like absolutely not it's kind of stupid but mm-hmm. at the same time it's like when you're a teenage girl like all that really matters is that it's able to capture the emotions you're feeling because you feel so alienated from everyone else yeah and i think that that's something that a lot of chick flicks and rom-coms are able to do mm-hmm. like when you're a teenager and you're in love and you feel like you're gonna die if they don't love you back like nothing captures that better than a rom-com you know no, absolutely yeah it's just like those feelings that you have that make you feel like a different species <laughs> that yeah. they're able to capture so well literally and you're like so young and so full of hormones that you like just have no idea what's happening to you go watch the notebook yeah some other good ones sisterhood of the traveling pants mm-hmm. i was thinking about that lately how they should really do a remake of that one i feel like that film would be really great i would be okay with a remake of that one absolutely yeah too i think it's due for one mm-hmm. also i'm trying to think of other ones we haven't mentioned john Fif- tucker must die 50 for states yes 50 for mm-hmm. states classic drew barrymore and adam sandler he's actually yeah. been in quite a few rom-coms which is doesn't make sense to me but you know what whatever it's fine yes. it's fine a recent one crazy rich asians i love that movie that movie is so good so that good. scene where she does the mahong move with like her future mm-hmm. mother oh my gosh so good freaky yeah. friday so good <laughs> yeah i love that Lindsay one. lohan in her prime miss congeniality another sandra bullock even though that kind of falls into a lot of tropes but. well i was gonna say i mean granted a lot of these movies they're nostalgic but like for example like devil wears prada horrible horrible yeah. so many scenes and lines in that it's just like oh cool yeah this was definitely made in the early 2000s and it's very interesting now to like watch these movies through a little bit older and wiser lens but yeah at the very least these movies are nostalgic and that's great but yeah some of them have aged poorer than others yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. they're definitely a sign of the time that they were made in. we're gonna take a quick break just to spotlight one of our new favorite women artists Okay, so today for Spotlight, I'm talking about somebody that I actually found on TikTok. The username is Taylor underscore cook underscore art. And she's doing a series that got a little bit of love, one of them, which where she's painting women in masculine settings, which I really loved. And this one that I found was like at a poker table. So it was like women like with cigarettes, like gambling, throwing their chips and their cards in. But it was, you know, feminine hands with rings and nail polish. And anyways, so I really, really loved it. And she has, I think, prints of them available. And like I said, she's like been doing this whole series with it. So I love it. And you can go follow her. Her Instagram, I think her TikTok, maybe she's a little bit more active as far as like the art that she's been posting she did one with a taylor swift shout out you know it's like a cake to see it. with wine spilled and the cake says you're on your own kid but yeah she has a lot of just really cool 
artwork like that like pool parties for like the you know women in masculine settings and just really really cool things so so cool yeah go check her out again it's taylor cook art she does also have an instagram let me double check to see if the username is the same it's different okay cool yeah it's tay t-a-y underscore with underscore un underscore e (laughs) tay with an e taylor cook (laughs) yeah and that is a good point it is taylor with an e and not an o yes very funny <laughs> very good point i did not even realize that at first so <laughs> that's uh, awesome though yeah, I, I love it that the poker one actually is like all of our podcast colors so love that we get the print it's like 25 dollars. yeah oh they're actually adorable <gasps> oh i went to my friend's house tonight to actually take pictures spoiler alert for something i'm working on i'm working Mm. on a sad girl cover of anti-hero by taylor swift i'm gonna hopefully be releasing that in a couple weeks love it yeah so i just needed someone like take some pictures with me with a lighter to kind of recreate the midnight's cover i'm gonna make that this weekend anyways but (laughs) she had all this amazing art on the wall and i was like oh you're making me want to start buying art you know just to make the room more aesthetic and i I loved it i love this one so go check her out Okay, I have a YouTuber. I love YouTube. There's some good stuff on there. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> her name is Tony Brianne, and it's T-O-N-I-B-R-Y-A-N-N-E. Her channel is called Tony Brianne TV, and it's a commentary channel, which is my favorite ones. They I just love take commentary like channels, yeah. topics and talk about them. Mm. And I love it. She has a like hashtag Tony Talks yeah. for all of them. But it's just great. Like, she's talked about Kanye West. She's talked about, like, colorism in media, everything that was wrong with Dance Moms, the fall of Kendall Jenner, the fall of all of the Kardashians. Her Instagram is just Tony Brianne TV. Cool. Same thing. And that's just more of her lifestyle content. But I just really enjoy it. She researches really well, and you can tell it's just very well thought out. And I love when people do that. Amazing. Yes, yes, yes. So go check that out. Also, do we want to shout out our new newsletter? Newsletter? Yes. Newsletter. Yes. So we have mentioned a newsletter before, but we kind of slacked on it. The platform we were using to create it was a pain in the butt. But I found a new one recently. And so we're going to be really like doubling down on our newsletter now. And it's going to have a lot of great content that you won't get on here. Or just more from what you're getting on here. So if you want to download the app Substack, you can read it through there or it will go to your email as per usual. And you can just subscribe with the link in our bio to our newsletter. And yeah, we would love that. It would be great. You can comment on things. You can chat with us. It'll have pictures of everything we cover in the episode. You'll get to hear more about what me and Sadie are like ingesting every mm-hmm. month what we're enjoying what enjoying so go check it out please we'd love that amazing all right now back to the show but like we said we talked about so many of these rom-coms now like they're classics the nostalgia they had these big names behind them like stars that everyone's heard of like we all know who paul rudd and sandra bullock yeah and, you know We know who all these people are, Reese Witherspoon. So why did they stop making them? Yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of reasons, I think, why. One that I'll bring up first is just that they weren't making as much money as like the big franchise 
superhero movies you know because it's like why would they so i thought this was really interesting where it talks about the fact that in terms of rom-coms box office performance is that they just don't appeal as much to a global audience like yeah Mm. women and the demographic generally for rom-coms they do have a lot of buying power but these media companies are obviously very very money focused and when there's franchises like avengers even fast and furious harry potter star wars or even just disney animated features those are going to hit a lot more people and therefore be a lot bigger at the box office what i thought was interesting is that If you look at the 200 highest grossing movies of all time, they don't have a single American romantic comedy on it. Granted, I feel like if you identify Twilight in that, maybe. But as far as like an actual rom-com, none of those are in that. Or like the 200 highest grossing movies of all time. Another thing that I thought was really interesting is that most franchises, especially that those are targeted at towards kids which a lot of them almost in a way end up being targeted towards kids whether that's harry potter james bond even like avengers especially you know is that they can get product deals and merchandising that will bring in even so much more cash that makes so much sense. yeah and i love this point where it's like when is the last time you saw action figures based on a rom-com and and then in an industry where profit trumps all it's clear that money is the main motivator in most movie maker and unfortunately harry and sally don't generate as much revenue as say luke and leia which makes sense sense. i mean granted if there was like a rom-com lego set i would buy that immediately right so i'm just throwing that out there (laughs) to anyone who might be listening that I i think that is a hit of a product idea a central park setup for you got mail with the little yes. dog yeah <laughs> so cute i think there is potential for a rom-com line in legos but i agree at the same point it like it makes total sense that yeah there's just not as much potential money and even just beyond oh. of what happens in the box office along of that same vein of thought there mm-hmm. was a lot of like flops that happened yeah that just cost the studio so much money and it was also right around the same time that like streaming took Mm -hmm. a hold and so streaming was picking up rom-coms because it was a lot more like low budget mid-budget and studios have stopped making mid-budget films practically Mm -hmm. entirely like movie studios now only really do high budget films which is like which are like the avengers yeah those type of franchises the way of water like that kind of stuff they're only making like huge budget films that are almost like guaranteed to be and then any film studios that want to do like cheaper mid-budget projects they get thrown on a streaming service Mm -hmm. which comes with like a whole other lot of problems but one of the ones i wanted to mention is like confessions of a shopaholic oh yeah it could have been like really good but they launched it right during the 2008 recession i believe when like everyone was broke oh no and so like a movie I mean, they made it two years before or whatever. So it's like not entirely their fault, but like <laughs> it, it's right. The timing wasn't right. Yeah, it just didn't land. And I loved that movie. Like I did it's too. It's <laughs> such a good one. But I watched it on like DVD or something, you know, mm-hmm. when Netflix first launched like a couple of years after the fact, like probably 2012 or something when the recession wasn't in the middle of everyone's minds yeah absolutely yeah they just had a lot of problems with like box office costs of the studio and everything else that led it to they were like they are not making money off of it anymore 
Definitely. Another one that I love that you brought up is the fact that like big name rom-com stars, I think they realized that they were being pegged as rom-com actors slash actresses and they didn't want to make them anymore because they wanted to be serious actors, which is another side point that generally if you create media that is made for women, it's not taken as seriously, which is a problem Mm. in of itself. But like if this is the world that we live in, I can maybe understand that like Sandra Bullock was like, oh, I don't want to be known as the rom-com lady or the rom-com yeah. actress. I'm going to step away. A lot of Boo. them also just said that they felt too old <laughs> and they were like ready to move on. They didn't want to be the love interest anymore. I think it was Hugh mm-hmm. Grant. He was like, I'm old. I'm kind of gross. Like, no. I don't want to be like the romantic lead. No, that's lame. <laughs> and same with like Julia Roberts. And then Matthew McConaughey actually got into rom-com acting because he wanted to be pegged as like, a romantic lead Mm -hmm. but then he hit a certain point where he was like yeah like I'm kind of ready to move on and do something else and I don't think you can entirely blame them with like how many they They were were doing yeah they were the it people they all had their (laughs) moments they didn't yeah the rom-coms the problem is though is that like rom-coms work really well with like a recurring actor yeah uh playing like a similar character because people will go and see every single movie and they they know that they'll already love them yes because they'll be like matthew mcconaughey is hot if he's in the movie i'm gonna go watch the movie and that's totally justifiable but like they couldn't get new stars cemented as figures of a Mm rom-com it just like wasn't working or they'd have a successful rom-com with a star and then that star would immediately move on to a new genre. So you had like mm-hmm. Amy Schumer did Trainwreck and then she immediately moved on and did like an action movie, I think, right after. I, I think it was. I don't know. And then know. Constance Wu was the star of Crazy Rich Asians and she immediately went on and did something else right after too. So it's like they don't want to be pegged as the rom-com people anymore. Yeah. They don't want to get stuck in a genre like so many people did before them. That makes sense. I honestly was like thinking about that though. So I'm going to bring up later like some of the new rom-coms coming out this year one of them being shotgun wedding and it has jennifer lopez and josh dumal in it i actually loved it i, I did thought too it was <laughs> hilarious like i saw the preview for it and i was like i'm gonna watch that when it comes out and i think i watched it the day it came out yeah. and i loved it like it's so ridiculous it's hilarious it's ridiculous But I was thinking about the fact that I was like, okay, like, how old is Jennifer Lopez? She's 50, right? Like, isn't she almost 50? I think so. That's pretty old, I guess, to be playing a rom-com, you know, lead. But I was like wondering if part of that is because there like hasn't really been that new generation of rom-com stars. So it's like in order to tap into that same nostalgia that we all felt with rom-coms, they have to bring in the old stars. But like they're all in their 40s and 50s now. But personally, I like it. Like I do too. I don't need to see a 20-year-old fall in love. I like the fact that I'm seeing a 50-year-old hot woman. She looked Stunning. Well, like, also, yeah. Jennifer Coolidge is in that movie, and like yes. we looked it up, and like Jennifer Coolidge is only like 14 years older than Jennifer Lopez, <laughs> and so maybe even less, and she's playing like the mother in law, and so yeah. we were just like, in what? Like, this doesn't make sense at all, but you know, it's, it's rom coms. You have to use a suspension of disbelief. Oh definitely absolutely i think that's part of the genre yes that's actually something that's really funny too that it brought up is that rom-coms thrive on elevator pitches Mm. so it's like things that you can explain in a really punchy way so you'll be like 
just like male they're met an online internet chat room but they are the two owners of rival bookstores yes. and they don't know that it's the same person they've been talking to yeah absolutely or just like heaven she gets in an accident she's in a coma but he can see her ghost and talk to her yeah you know like they mm-hmm. thrive on kind of this like quick and i feel like shotgun wedding does a good job with that or it's like it's they're having their really wedding on an pitch. island and pirates come in and they're holding all of the guests hostage and the bride and groom have to try and save the day yes yeah so it's like they thrive on that and if they couldn't a lot of rom-coms got to the point where they couldn't explain themselves in like a punchy enough way Mm -hmm. within like the trailer or you know the marketing to grab the audience's attention enough to get them to actually want to go yeah see it Mm -hmm. like it has to be like that quick and that's like a hard thing to do like there's definitely an art to that the fact that you have to come up with like an elevator pitch punchy enough to like grab in a whole box office audience yeah absolutely <laughs> but that's like the art of the rom-com is like something that's quick and punchy and like pulls people in in mass yeah absolutely and like yeah and and it's funny about it too mm-hmm. complete suspension of belief complete oh but you like, have to that's the point that's the point <laughs> Oh, one thing I do want to bring up, too, is kind of like bringing up the fact that the 2000s, some of these movies are a little bit problematic, right? Like, yeah, they didn't definitely. age well. And so I think that that almost like became an issue with rom-coms is they very much were just telling the same story over and over again. And the newer audience growing up, they were wanting a more diverse, personal, and even just like more unique stories from the rom-com genre. I think that's the thing with this type of genre. It is really just the same thing over and over again, just in a little bit different situations you know this article that i read brought up the movie the big six i mean the big sick have you ever seen that movie no but it's on netflix right now you should watch it i i love that movie i think i watched his comedy special come on Mm, johnny yeah i watched one of his comedy specials and he brought it up in there too yeah Yeah. it's such a good movie and this article brought up the fact that like part of the reason why it maybe did so well it had a five million dollar budget but ended up getting 56 million at the box office so like woohoo you know definitely made a lot more money than they were originally thinking that it would but they brought up the fact that they think it was because it was based off of his own personal experiences and that it's just it gets such a personal movie and when you're telling personal stories and maybe not even personal where it's like has to be a real life but like it just feels like it's hitting on a new kind of truth it Mm -hmm. really does bring in new I don't know not just bring in new audiences but it just people love seeing real stories and also people love seeing real stories that are also happy endings you know what I mean and so in the article that I was reading it was kind of like oh are we in a rom-com almost like renaissance now or like we coming back to it but in what ways do we actually not want to go back to the same model and like maybe if we kind of follow the big sick and you know other ones more like that where we're just actually telling real people's stories maybe they can have the success of the golden age of rom-coms of the early 2000s because that's really what people want nowadays you know they want more authentic stories rather than i don't know just the same thing over and over again definitely i also think like diversity is a really Mm -hmm. important element that we've seen like more diverse films doing better did you ever watch the christmas movie something from tiffany's no i didn't so cute it's on amazon prime okay cool <laughs> yeah it it's really adorable that uh-huh. is definitely like a rom-com two guys get their tiffany boxes for their girlfriends mixed up oh cute yeah of their christmas presents and everything but i brought that up because it's one of the first movies i've seen in a long time that has like a male lead who was black like they were trying a little bit harder to have more diversity 
rather than just like the two same people just fall in love boy white girl fall in love yeah yeah and i think that that's really important and something that viewers are craving more if crazy rich asians is any indication Mm -hmm. you know like and i think that that does tap in more to like a global audience where it's like people are able to see themselves more and like characters like that and it will have more appeal to like a new generation that like we appreciate diversity we want it i was just gonna say i feel like that is just a trend in movies in general is that when people go to the movies i mean obviously you go to the movies for escapism and things like that but i think a part of it is like you want to be able to see yourself in those stories mm-hmm. and the more people who can see themselves in those stories cool and it just makes it fun like it, it's nice to see like a bunch of different people and personalities and backgrounds in a movie together mm-hmm. i feel like it increases like the dynamic and everything like makes it more interesting yeah and realistic like no one goes throughout all of life only interacting with other people who look exactly like them. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to read this paragraph from this article, but I just really liked mm-hmm. how it summed it up. But it said, a good rom-com with a good marketing campaign behind it will always find an audience. Hollywood is still far behind where it should be here, but it's lumbering towards the right direction. And I think the quality of the movies can only improve when you're bringing together a truly diverse creative team. They talked about how they believe that a lack of diversity in movies affects box office across the board and rom-coms are no exception. As proof, they Mm -hmm. cited Crazy Rich Asians, which is the most successful rom-com of the last 10 years. She also points out Love, Simon, which was the first studio rom-com about a gay teen that generated 66 million in a worldwide gross on a budget that was well under 20 minutes. She said there's an opportunity for stories to be told with films that represent more than just a white woman, a white man, and their meat cute. There's also something to be said for having more women, especially women of color as directors and screenwriters. Women are still the primary audience for these movies, and we don't want to see movies filled with characters who don't behave like any woman we've ever met. And I loved that. Yeah. Yeah. That is such a good point. That's actually, that kind of brings up another point. They started kind of making rom-coms that would be really self-aware because the formula became so familiar to audiences. Mm -hmm. So they were trying to like get ahead of that and be like, oh, well, we're self-aware. So they would like make jokes about it within the film. Yeah. But it ended up just like falling completely flat and not satisfying audiences in the same way. Uh-huh. And I think that's part of the issues that it's just like, okay, but like the self-aware route for a rom-com isn't really the right way. No, I mean, that's not the point of them. Another thing that like, I mean, like you mentioned, rom-coms, they do have mid-budget. And so they are just having more success in streaming services than at the box office. But like, maybe that's not a bad thing because mm-hmm. they're making a comeback in a way. And I think that I've heard about streaming services as it does provide the opportunities for them to almost like take risks, whether that's like new directors, more diverse storylines or more diverse characters. Like I think that could be a cool benefit of the fact that they're using streaming services is, you know, they're not going to take a big risk on a huge budget film that's supposed to, you know, blow us out of the water at the box office. But I don't know. I think we talked about that. I don't remember when we talked about, oh, it was when we did Lena Vertmiller and we talked about women directors and talked about the fact that like streaming services actually have been a really big benefit to allowing more women into those roles because like I said they kind of now finally have the ability to take risks in certain areas and so a lot of them are getting their first time directing on a Netflix film or a Netflix TV show or just things Definitely. like that so I think that's cool. I think it's important to realize too that like there's a whole generation of people who loved rom-coms who were only introduced to them via streaming services or DVDs yeah. mm, true. I didn't watch a rom-com in the theaters until like, the Falcon Our Stars came out maybe and I don't even really count that as a rom-com because it's 
so sad agreed <laughs> but, but like we were too young so we watched dvds with our mom most of the time yeah or uh, yeah when they were on tv and then like cut out all the sex scenes and just yep. like on like i'd have to watch it in commercials like i don't remember when i finally like saw all these movies actually in one sitting all the way through my mom would have me cover my eyes if it was short or she would fast forward <laughs> oh my gosh yeah because we would like fold laundry on sundays and i was watch just gonna say it was the laundry activity the rom-com yes. would be on some channel commercial mm. breaks you know and that's when we would go put the clothes away is during the commercial breaks there you go wow yeah. that's adorable i love that that was a universal experience yeah i know i'm like did everyone else watch rom-coms with their moms and fold laundries on saturdays because like <laughs> that was like a, it's a core memory of mine oh my gosh completely agree i think it's important to realize that like there was a whole group of people who didn't watch rom-coms in theaters like i've mm -hmm. always seen rom-coms more as like a rent a movie yeah. or like you know stay sit in down popcorn and Snacks. yeah or like girls are coming over what are we gonna pick you know from the shelf to watch with your friends so i think streaming services are a perfectly beautiful place for rom-coms to completely thrive because Absolutely. it makes sense like it's I a stay-in movie mm -hmm. any other points that we need to bring up or can i talk about some of the rom-coms coming out in 2023 i don't think so i think we can move forward. I think I'll just make one more comment that Nancy Myers, after oh, she yeah. made The Intern, she thought to herself, I think this is it because she wasn't able to get funding for any other of her projects that she wanted to do because there used to be like a huge genre of rom-com directors. Mm. Just like there was like thriller directors or action directors, you know, like directors often get pigeonholed as well. Mm -hmm. And she was a rom-com director and some of them had passed away, but then she wasn't able to because superhero movies were blowing up. And mm -hmm. so it was the only thing that movie studios cared about. And she couldn't get budgeting, even though they were mid-budget films. She yeah. couldn't get budgeting, even though she's a very accomplished director. Which is crazy. So, yeah. yeah. So that's another thing that just kind of pigeonholes what was happening mm -hmm. during the time period that made it so hard that we went years and years and years without like a good rom-com. Well, here we are in 2023. And don't worry, there are rom-coms galore. I loved the opening of this article, which like it's a Cosmo article, which is the seven best romantic comedies that 2023 has in store. But I love that. it says, people say the romantic comedy is dead. And to them, I say, look harder. Love actually is all around. And there are many new rom-coms than you think. They just sometimes happen to be direct to streaming services and your couch. I'm just going to list them. All right. So the first one that I brought up, Shotgun Wedding, came out so on good. Amazon Prime, January 27th. I, yeah. I loved it. Go watch Jennifer it. Jennifer Lopez and Josh Jamal. Highly recommend. So good. It was also, cute. can I just say that I love that he was the one who planned the whole wedding? Yes. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was adorable. Like yeah. it didn't, it wasn't even like a major plot point or anything. It was just like this side thing where the night before the wedding, he's like making lanterns for the table yeah. centerpieces. It was like a slight way of, you know, trying to be modern, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but it was cute. It was really cute. Yeah. The other one, it's called Your Place or Mine by Reese not by Reese Witherspoon, starring Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher. Um, Two classic romance. Yeah, um, I love yeah. that they're coming back. And that's what I love about these first two is it's like the old veterans of rom-coms being like, we're yeah. back, everybody. Um, Where's Matthew McConaughey? I was just going to say, <laughs> I need more of them to be back. Have you seen the 
like the promo pictures of Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher like they look yes. so awkward together and that's like oh my gosh the <laughs> they've been everywhere I heard yeah. it was because there was like some affair rumors and they were really trying to shut that down mm-hmm. but it makes like, it look worse not, yeah <laughs> like we're not even friends <laughs> I thought it was so funny I've seen him like talking about it and it's like we were on the carpet forever people are shouting at you like I don't know it just looks weird okay whatever he kind of strikes me as a very awkward man that's fair i feel like he's more of like a good on camera doesn't really want to do any of the red carpet stuff that's yeah i could see that that's just like my opinion but yeah but that's out on netflix as of february 10th so this last weekend and i guess it makes sense like there are a lot that are coming out this week because you know valentine's weekend yeah back into the same patterns as Mm -hmm. before there's another one called at midnight i had to read the synopsis because i hadn't heard of it but it said two people who do their best not to fall in love it's centered on alejandro who lives a predictable life according to plan and sophie a beautiful rising movie star with an unreliable celebrity boyfriend i just love reading the plot of rom-coms i know they're so great uh-huh and then during a visit to mexico's beach to shoot scenes for her new movie she falls in love with the hotel manager neither of them will be able to avoid falling in love and going against all odds and that's out this weekend too on paramount plus cute there's another movie called somebody i used to know that stars allison brie that she actually co-wrote with her husband dave franco mm-hmm. apparently it kind of returns to all the tropes that are more typical with a workaholic woman returns to her hometown reconnects with her ex but this has like a modern spin on it i think it's like mentioned that like maybe they're polyamorous or like there's something that you know makes it not just the same old same old I workaholic woman did trope. see a preview for this one and oh, it okay looked, it looked really cute actually and i am a fan of allison brie ever since community yeah me too yeah so I'll probably give that one a shot. Yeah. We'll see. That one's out on Amazon Prime this weekend. Another one that's coming out apparently this year is Red, White, and Royal Blue. Oh, wow. I've never read that book, but it is huge on Book Talk, which shout out to our previous episode that we did at the first of the year, which this is a side note that I wonder if with the huge rise of romance novels, I bet we're going to see more movie adaptions of the popular romance novels and that that's going to be like a part of the big rom-com resurgence. Daisy Joan and the Six mm-hmm. also comes out this year. Oh, I'm so excited for that TV show. But I bet we will see people we meet on vacation, beach read. Like, I bet those are going to become rom-coms. Seven Husbands of Evelyn, Evelyn Hugo is yeah. coming. And they've announced the cast for Colleen Hoover's it oh it ends us. with us oh yeah there's gonna yeah. be a lot of colleen hoover remakes yeah. i know it <laughs> so i would guarantee also to note though the red white and royal blue is actually a gay rom-com yes i was gonna say that yeah. is a it's a different not the typical formula i guess mm-hmm. anyways the last two is a pixar movie that's called elemental that it said could maybe be characterized as a romantic comedy oh but like okay. the pixar version of it i think it's like yeah it's fire so i think it's like the elements I don't yeah, know if like, they fall it's in like love. a little fire guy and a little water oh oh guy oh that's cute. i think it might be a little fire girl and a little water guy i don't remember exactly that sounds adorable <laughs> i thought i saw some like promo images for it somewhere amazing yeah. well apparently that's coming out june this year and then the other one is called love again that's coming out this year but that's with priyanka starring in a romantic comedy with a morbid but in a sweet way apparently twist where she plays a widow oh oh yeah this premise is crazy she stars a widow who starts texting her dead fiance's phone 
phone as like a therapy exercise. But somebody new has the number and he plays the man who gets assigned the dead man's number. Elevator pitch. Yeah, that's a good elevator yeah, pitch. Yeah, that is a um, really great elevator pitch. <laughs> yeah. So interested to see that one. And what I think yeah. it's interesting is like a lot of these actually have pretty big stars. So they're coming back around, I guess. And they hopefully are. a new way. And you know what? It's time. I think so. <laughs> yeah. It's really time. I think we're ready for some more. I need some wholesome media yeah. in my life. I'm so sick and tired of Superman movies. Like I do movies. not want to see an ar- another Marvel movie for another like <laughs> 10 years at least. I I'm loved sorry. them. I loved them for a really long time. But when Avengers like Endgame Same. or whatever the last one was where Iron Man dies spoiler alert spoiler. that was like the end for me like yep. I haven't watched another one since then because that was like the end like the storylines were finished and I was done I fully agree I watched WandaVision but I never even finished it I never finished yeah. the first season I don't either actually and I'm done I watched Endgame that was a three-hour movie I put a lot of effort into like keeping up too yeah. much too much I watched now. all of them in order of the timeline before yep. I was very invested. They were really well made, but like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm done. There's that was like a whole chunk of time, like ten years of investment. Like, I, I'm done. So I'm ready for yeah. some rom coms and to feel Me joyful too. in my life. Well, thank you for joining us today, everybody, for our rom com episode. Shoot us a DM on Instagram, which shout out to our Instagram, More Than Amuse Podcast. Also, you can follow us on TikTok, which is the exact same handle. Anyways, but let us know what rom-com you've been loving or like maybe a more recent one that you've loved and like your old classic fave. Yeah. Maybe we'll do some voting Ooh, that's on our fun. stories. Yes. So come check that out. We'll pit some movies against each other, see which one wins out. Amazing. And we will be back next week with a new episode with a new artist that I will be covering. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.